Hey there, it's Michelle Pilpich. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of this podcast, Simply Intuitive. On the show, we are talking about all things intuitive eating, active living, and breaking down what's true versus what's a myth in the wellness world so that you can focus on simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your health. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the health information floating around and you just want to know what to do to feel your best, you're in the right place. Not only are specific tips coming your way, but you can also count on conversations that will challenge your perspective on what health really means. So I hope you'll stick around for many episodes to come, but for now, let's get into today's show. Hey there, it's Michelle. I am coming at you solo today to talk about diets and diet trends. And I'm so excited um, because this is something that honestly I, oh, that was Cody running up his little stairs. Um, this is something that I'm often unaware of until clients tell me the crazy stuff that they hear because especially on social media, you know, I am on Instagram and on TikTok putting out content about intuitive eating and about the non-diet approach. So the content I get fed is also about intuitive eating and non-diet. And it's not often that I see the honestly absurd things and diets that are being talked about on social media. So I put up a poll on my Instagram and I asked, or no, I put up a question box and I asked people to submit the craziest diets that they have heard of and seen, especially um, like advertised on social media. So I have a bunch of responses here and I'm going to go through them and talk about these um, so that if you have seen these things I'll give you my hot take. You'll have a dietitian's insight on these diets. So let's get started. The first one was the cabbage soup diet. And I've heard of this. I don't know if it's still a thing. I I hope this trend has passed. I think it was a thing kind of in like my parents' generation. I don't know, where people would just only eat cabbage soup. And I think that one is a little bit easier for people to spot as, okay, clearly it's a red flag because number one, cabbage soup doesn't even sound like that good of a food, which I probably shouldn't say because I've never had it. I don't want to yuck someone's yum. I'm open to tasting it. Maybe it's good. And a vegetable soup is pretty much never a complete meal. You know, when you have a meal, you want protein, carb, fat, cabbage in broth doesn't really have any of those. Like, yes, it's giving you some carb, but you don't have protein. You don't have a solid fat source. So that's like an appetizer. And most diets are purely caloric restriction. There are things like this. They're distilling your diet down to vegetables so that you're just really limiting your calories and then not eating enough. And yes, you might lose weight in the short term. And once you start eating enough again, you're going to gain it all back. So anytime you see something that's like only vegetables, clearly avoiding other food groups, especially carbs and fat, because protein is kind of the only macronutrient that hasn't been demonized. And um, we'll talk more about that. But anytime you see that, it's a red flag. Um, And especially any diets 
or like lifestyle changes that um, are eliminating an entire food group or in this case distilling everything down to one food group or literally one food um, that's also a red flag like unless you have a very clear medical reason or allergy reason and you are working with a medical professional or a dietitian there really should not be a time where you are eliminating an entire food group so cabbage soup diet is a no um the other okay the next one Somebody said carnivore, the carnivore diet, eating only meat and no plants. And then they said it's bloody mad. And I just love that they said that. Um, Yeah, this, the carnivore diet. Again, it's the idea of distilling things down to one single food group. That is never healthy. Like plants, especially plant foods plant-based foods are designed to work together like there are different foods that are typically eaten together that support the absorption of nutrients and so you know they taste good there's things like so plant-based sources of iron are absorbed more easily when they're combined with vitamin c so a tip that i will give people is to squeeze some lemon over your greens and like that tastes delicious so it's all designed to work together And when we put these diet rules on top of everything and we're like, okay, you can only eat meat, you're taking away the synergy of food. Plus, I mean, it's just not healthy. Like we need fiber for good digestion, for disease prevention, like eating enough fiber, having plenty of fiber is a really preventative behavior for colon cancer. That's like the major tip that I give to anyone to prevent colon cancer is to have adequate fiber. And most Americans are not eating enough fiber. There's also the other end of the spectrum with orthorexia where people can be eating too much fiber. And we will also talk about that. But cutting out all plants, this is another red flag, like cutting out foods that objectively are healthy and nutrient dense is a clear red flag. And so this also makes me think of like the paleo diet and the argument that legumes are bad for you and like whole grains, you know, these are not bad foods. And even the argument that it's like ancestral and this is what our ancestors ate, well, that depends on who your ancestors are. You know, if you have Latin American ancestors, they probably ate a lot of corn and a lot of grains versus ancestors from like Alaska who yes they probably were eating a lot more um, animal protein so it's just not that generalizable it's not healthy you're going to be having a lot of saturated fat you're going to be you know this is not a heart healthy diet by only eating meat it's extreme and the extremist things are typically not actually health promoting they are just clickbait trying to sell you something so look at the source and what are they trying to sell you Um, And don't go on the carnivore diet. I do not recommend that. And I have never met a dietitian that does. Um, Okay. The next one. Health influencers hiding behind orthorexia and selling health to their subscribers. 100%. I see this all the time. Influencers who say they live such a healthy lifestyle and it's actually orthorexia. And orthorexia for anyone who isn't familiar with that term, is literally a a type of eating disorder. It's an eating disorder 
that is defined by the obsession with healthy food. So you might think of anorexia when you think eating disorder and just caloric restriction and trying to lose weight. And with orthorexia, someone might not be trying to lose weight, but they're trying to be as healthy as possible and eat as clean as possible. And so they might not count calories, but they look at ingredients and they want to avoid added sugar. They want to avoid any ingredient they can't pronounce, those types of food rules. So it can be just as restrictive, if not more. Maybe it's like only eating whole foods, no packaged foods. This is where a lot of the fear of processed foods comes from. And I see so many influencers who are probably struggling with orthorexia. And, you know, I don't blame them for promoting it because it's their own struggle that they are not healed from. And it's like, no better, do better. Like you can't, when you're in it, it's hard to see that what you're promoting is wrong. And I do hope that... um, that we all can work on having more self-awareness and insight so that we're doing good for everyone and not hurting people by promoting these things. But yeah, all the recipes that are like, you know, healthy versions of this, healthy versions of that, making everything with almond flour and oat flour and even like, you know, always having oat milk instead of cow's milk and there's a lot of nuance here and you know there's a time and a place for different food choices and different ingredients and there's also a time and a place for eating a donut and allowing added sugar and like you absolutely can have a balance of allowing all foods and also prioritizing your health and so The way that I like to counsel people on that and, you know, approach it in my own life is I think added sugar is a big thing that comes up in this world of orthorexia, like not having added sugar ever and making all of these desserts out of dates and whatever. And like, that's just not going to be satisfying. If you're craving a cupcake and you eat like an almond flour, nut butter cookie, it's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. And that's why it's so problematic is it can lead you to not feel satisfied and then to keep craving those foods and then to obsess over those foods because when we have such rigid rules about things and we totally cut off access to a certain food, then we obsess about it. Then once you have it, you might binge on it. Then you'll feel like you're out of control and like you need to have these food rules and you'll cycle back into those food rules and it becomes this unbreakable pattern. So you have to allow yourself all foods in order to get out of that loop. And you still can prioritize balance. So I really, really want to bust this myth that like intuitive eating is not about being healthy and it's just you know, ignoring health, eating whatever you want, and you're just going to crave sweets all the time, and you're just going to eat junk food, and you're going to end up feeling gross and blah, blah, blah. That's not true. Um, You can prioritize health and balance. And there goes Cody down his stairs again, if you heard that. And um, you also will come to crave all things. I personally have a huge sweet tooth. I eat plenty of dessert. And sometimes I am just craving an apple or I'm craving carrots or I'm craving mango or like 
I'm craving something, a salad, you know, cravings can be anything. I think we think of them as, oh, cravings are only for bad foods, but no, they're for anything. And there's no such thing as bad foods. I'm just using the language that I hear typically. Um, so I feel like I missed another point that I was going to make. Oh, the added sugar thing. So an example of how to prioritize balance in intuitive eating. And this is something that I do in my own life. And I encourage if other people want to and are in the place to be thinking about the gentle nutrition piece of intuitive eating. It is objectively a positive to limit added sugar. You know, we don't want to be having too much of it. It can cause inflammation and like negative effects in our bodies. So the way I think about that is, you know, I like sweets and I enjoy sweets and I am aware that I'm eating added sugar when I'm having sweets, right? Like if I grab a cookie after dinner, I know I'm having something with added sugar right now. And then the place where you can cut it out is in the things where it is kind of more hidden and that means like where it doesn't really make sense to have it. So salad dressings or sauces, like that's a place where it's very common for added sugar to pop up. And you can have a, an amazing salad dressing with no sugar. So there's a situation where maybe I opt for homemade doing some oil, some lemon juice, some garlic, like whatever other seasonings and spices I want. And I make a really delicious salad dressing that I know doesn't have any sugar because when I'm eating a salad, I'm not expecting to have sugar. And then I can keep a loose awareness of how much sugar I'm eating because I know when I'm eating a sweet, right? So that's what it's about is like just being aware of loosely, loosely aware of which foods you're eating that have the sugar and you can lean into like, okay, when it doesn't make sense for something to have sugar, then I'll really be intentional about not having the added sugar because I just want it to be easy to have a quick little tab on, am I overdoing it or am I not? And the other way is to just get more in touch with your body. You know, I notice now that I just feel off. Like typically my stomach and digestion will start to feel off when I've had too much added sugar, right? So like holiday season, for example, or Easter weekend, I think was the last time I felt this way, having a lot of candy and chocolate and those Reese's eggs. Oh my gosh, best things ever. I don't regret eating a single one of them. Um, And by the end of the weekend, I was over it. I was like, okay, I just... I don't feel great. I don't feel energized. My stomach feels off. I need some fresh food and I need to just cool it on the sweets for a little bit. And so the more you incorporate balance and the more you allow all foods, you get to that place of natural moderation. So, wow, that was a rant based on this orthorexia. (laughs) So let's see the next um, diet that was submitted There's one influencer in particular with a million followers who brags about eating two slices of pizza. Huh. I don't know. um, If it's like only two slices of pizza in a day, holy cow, that is problematic. That's not enough food for, I was going to say for an adult, but like even for a child, that's not enough food for a whole day. 
So I definitely, definitely think that that is a problem, especially, you know, people posting what I eat in a day videos that are not enough food. That is just way too common. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with what I eat in a day videos because they can be really damaging, but it's like I just can't look away. (laughs) It's like one of those train wreck situations. Like, I love to see it, even though I hate to see it. And I, I hate to see it when it is that situation of just being way too small a quantity of food. Most people don't realize how much food they need to eat. Pretty much every client I see for an intake session, I am telling them, you're not eating enough. So we really got to fix that. Um, and, you know, I also do think there can be value in those what I eat in a day videos. And this might sound ridiculous. I'm like, well, in mine, only mine. I have posted some of those before and I'm not going to pretend I haven't. And the reason I post them is to show you that like you can eat all of this food in a day. Yes, I eat three meals plus snacks every single day. You know, especially as a runner and I work with a lot of active clients, you need that. And even if you're not running, you absolutely need three meals and probably snacks. It's just going to vary a little bit how many you need and when you have them. But most people need three meals and one snack. Um, and you definitely can have more than that. So I like to share those videos just in a way to show normalcy because I've had clients tell me, you know, I know that people don't like those videos, but then I don't have any example of what normal looks like. And I mean, my number one piece of advice for that is, of course, work with a dietitian, reach out to me, reach out to someone that you follow and trust and and get that personal insight into your specific food intake and is this enough for you. Um, so a dietitian working one-on-one is definitely the best first resort. And, you know, I also thought like, okay, that's true. People will talk about how little they eat. People will talk about their diets, but nobody's talking about normal eating because the people who are eating normally are just not thinking about it as much as somebody who has a disordered relationship with food. So they're not talking about it as much because it's not in their mind as much. They're just out living their life. So for that reason, I definitely see where these clients are coming from. And I was like, you know what? I do want to share this because I want to like be that healthy example. And I did one that was like what I ate in a day on Easter. And somebody on TikTok commented and was like, oh, your breakfast is like your entire calorie needs for the day, which I mean, was just ridiculous. I was like, oh, well, good thing I don't count calories. And so that was a, just a good reminder that like, okay, yeah, people do need this. <laughs> Sometimes I'm so in the bubble of intuitive eating that I'm like, does anyone struggle with food? But clearly, yes. So on to, okay, yeah, the next diet that someone submitted was Never see any protein on their plates, only vegetables, i.e. lowest calorie foods. Yeah, this is what I was talking about with the cabbage soup diet. And I think this can be a problem in the plant-based community, um, especially those like 
raw vegans, whole foods, plant-based, raw, blah, blah, blah. Um, Can you do those things in a healthy way? Yes. Definitely go back and listen to the podcast episode I did with Remy, um, who is at Veggiekins on Instagram. She talked about being vegan for ethical reasons and like her history with disordered eating and just a healthy relationship to veganism. And that was such a good conversation because I do believe that you can be vegan in a healthy way. I also believe you can be plant-based and typically it's the people who are plant-based rather than vegan because vegan is like an actual ethical lifestyle. Plant-based is really just the dietary component. So I do think this shows up with more the plant-based people where it's it's more disordered because they're just going like for veggies 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 everything is like a huge salad and you don't get as much fat you don't get as much protein and that's not to say that you can't find those things in that type of diet it's just to say that you have to be intentional and a lot of people go more for like what's instagrammable and so they're making their rainbow salad and it is lacking a lot of things so it does take intentionality and and I think a real check-in on why you're doing something if you are altering your diet in that way. Um, what else? Okay. <laughs> this literally blew my mind. Like, what the heck? Blending your meat to drink it like a smoothie for better health. Health with like stars and squiggly lines and stuff. <laughs> AKA meat smoothie. Um, what? This is out there. I like, I've heard of the carnivore diet. I've never heard of this one. I'm concerned. I'm concerned for people. I'm concerned for like our humanity. Um, it honestly makes me concerned for the state of the world to hear that there are people who are blending their meat into a smoothie that's just not okay that's not normal (laughs) and I don't even know what the health arguments would be there like yes chewing your food well helps you digest it and does that mean you should put your meat through a blender like what no I mean The times that I have learned about that, the time that I did learn about that in school, like blending food and liquid diets can be totally appropriate for people with dysphagia who have swallowing difficulty, who need a very specific texture and consistency of their food. So yes, there could be a time and a place for that if somebody is struggling with dysphagia and needs to be able to get all of their nutrients and have it in a specific consistency and swallow their food safely. And I'm going to guess the influencer on TikTok or wherever who is saying to blend your meat into a smoothie is probably not talking about dysphagia diets and they're just saying it's healthy for truly I do not know what reason. Um, So I think we really need to question that. Anything that's that crazy, if it makes you like especially – worry about food safety. (laughs) That's a red flag. Here are my red flags with diets. Any diet that is eliminating fruits or vegetables, red flag. Any diet that eliminates an entire food group, red flag. Um, Any diet 
that gives you major concern about food safety, also a red flag. I didn't think I was going to have to add that one, but here we are. That is a red flag. <laughs> so yeah, make sure we're, uh, we're being safe here with what we're eating. And let's see what the next one is. Oh, somebody said, does intermittent fasting count too? So this is interesting. A hundred percent. I think it can. And this is an example of the nuance in the nutrition world. So can intermittent fasting be a diet? Yes. Is it always a restrictive diet? No. Um, Honestly, I'm not super familiar with the research on intermittent fasting. I have read some of it, um, but I know there are positives, like researched evidence-based positive reasons for it. Um, What I do know is that a lot of the research has been done on males. So because we're researching men who have a 24-hour hormonal cycle versus a woman's 28-day hormonal cycle, that's going to be really different. Um, So it's hard to generalize that research to women. And I also know that some of the outcomes that people have seen can be distilled down to caloric restriction. So it's like, oh, they lost weight. Well, because they were limiting the window of hours in which they're eating, they were just restricting calories. So intermittent fasting can be just a fancy way to say restriction. Something else that is so fascinating, this was like I was just so excited to read this and then share it with people. I read a study that essentially said with intermittent fasting, like, yes, it can have metabolic benefits. It can support your metabolic health. And what's most important for that is not the number of hours during which you're eating. So there are different ways that people break it down. And I'm forgetting the ratios, but like, fasting for eight hours, fasting for 10 hours, fasting for 12 hours, whatever. There are all these different ways you can make those combinations. And it kind of doesn't matter. What's more important is the hours of the day during which we are eating. So like what time of day are you actually eating? And this is so key because I think most people who engage in intermittent fasting are skipping breakfast or delaying breakfast and they're eating breakfast at like noon and then maybe eating until 8 p.m. And what's actually most supportive for your metabolic health is to be eating in accordance with your circadian rhythm. So eating early as your body wakes up and is active and then having consistent, adequate meals throughout the day and kind of tapering down what you're eating towards the end of the day. Does that mean you have to restrict at night? No, but you're going to be less ravenous at night when you're eating enough during the day when you're up and awake and doing things. And so that flip is something that I think most people don't think about or just don't know. And it's really then setting us up for failure. So that's just a situation where I think um, these things get kind of blown out of proportion by the media, over-sensationalized, and then people don't look into like the actual nitty-gritty of the details or they're not working with a dietitian, so they can't ask these questions to a professional who can tell them what's really going to be supportive. So yes, intermittent fasting can count as a diet. This next one that was submitted, 
I don't know what this is. It's a, <laughs> I'm just laughing. It says cloud bread. That ain't bread. And I don't know what cloud bread is. So I'm going to Google it right now. Cloud bread. What is it made of? Cloud bread. A vi- oh, a viral TikTok bread. Wait, it went, went viral um, and I have not heard of it. <laughs> but not that I know every single thing that has gone viral. Um, it's made of three ingredients, egg whites, sugar, and cornstarch. Ugh. Um, so it's only natural that the cloud bread will taste like eggs. That's funny. Yeah, so it's mostly egg white. Um, yeah, the person who submitted this, you're so correct. Cloud bread is not bread. Bread has flour. This It's also very interesting to me that it has sugar. And this is an example of how, I mean, how ridiculous a lot of these diet trends are and how people will overemphasize the importance of protein and then kind of contradict themselves. So something that really bothers me is the fact that a lot of health influencers will go off about how horrible processed foods are, but then they'll eat like the protein version of any type of food so it'll be like protein cookies and protein brownies and protein whatever and as long as it's high protein it's fine but in order to make these protein cookies like that's a processed food so they'll be eating packaged foods only if they're high protein and that's healthy but then they're like oh your typical processed foods are not so there are a lot of contradictions if you look into the claims of health influencers um Someone, so, well, why did I go on that rant? I went on that rant because the bread is mostly, the cloud bread is mostly egg whites, which a lot of people think are wonderful and can do no wrong because they're high in protein. And this cloud bread also has sugar. So I wonder if there are people out there who are very anti-added sugar, yet they made the cloud bread because it's high protein. You know, I would bet that there are. Why is cloud bread so popular? Oh, but of course, because it's gluten-free and it's low carb. So that's another thing. It's just the carb craze. People want to try and recreate foods that they like without the quote-unquote bad parts. And carbs are bad. Except know that I am giving a massive eye roll because (laughs) carbs are not bad. This also doesn't even look like bread. I should make it and taste it and do like a... I don't know, a reel of like a a live taste test because it looks kind of gross. One of the questions here, one of the most Googled questions is, why is my cloud bread wet? (laughs) Like this just sounds bad all around. Yeah, so I agree. Cloud bread is not bread. It's a diet. Um, What else? Oh, somebody said the almond wedding with bloat pills on every table. This man, wait, this just killed me. Uh, the almond wedding. Like, what? What's the almond wedding? Was this on TikTok? Is there a TikTok I haven't seen? Please send it to me if there's a viral TikTok about the almond wedding that I haven't seen. Um, with bloat pills. Like, what? If I went to a wedding and they had bloat pills on the table, I think I might be personally offended. Like, do you want us to enjoy your food or not? Just like, what? That is so steeped in diet culture i don't get it like why would you do that also you know you shouldn't be bloated just from like eating dinner and cake 
what were they expecting? I'd be kind of concerned. I would be like, well, what are you going to feed me if you're putting these blue? It's like if someone put Pepto on the table, I'd be like, what are we about to do? You know? That's crazy. That's really crazy. Or is it a subliminal message about body image of like, take these because we don't want anyone to look bloated in our photos. Like, that'd be messed up. Um, so that absolutely sounds diety. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this one because we have to have to talk about the oh shoot I lost it where's ah I lost it um the mustard and cottage cheese girl this has been everywhere so somebody submitted this one the the mustard and cottage cheese on everything and I have seen this on TikTok and the girl's account is literally her name like comma weight loss so it's all about weight loss um and here's what's frustrating cottage cheese great food mustard great condiment chicken sausage delicious vegetables wonderful why do we have to take all these great foods and make them into some weird diet meal like nobody had to do that and that's what she's doing and then drinking it with like that pink electrolyte drink i'm sorry (laughs) that just that doesn't really go um but something that a lot of people have said to me is how it's so interesting that this has become such a craze and it's really it's really just normalizing disordered eating because so many people when they've been in a restrictive eating disorder will only allow mustard as a condiment because mustard is like zero calories it typically is a very safe condiment for people to eat when they're wanting to limit their caloric intake and so now for mustard to be this like trendy thing and advertised as a weight loss tool i mean hello that's restriction and even cottage cheese cottage cheese is really having its moments um because it's high protein low carb all of those things like it's being marketed as increasing your protein and a weight loss tool which like why can't we just appreciate it for the good food that it is and yes it does add protein and like that's amazing and we can appreciate a food for being high protein and keeping you full and satisfied and not automatically call it weight loss and the other thing about this meal is the rest of it is just like raw vegetables Like, you can be a healthy eater and not live off of raw vegetables. Let me make that very clear. (laughs) You can eat vegetables in a delicious way. You don't have to just have a giant plate of raw vegetables dipped in mustard to be healthy. That, I would say, is not healthy because it doesn't sound very mentally healthy (laughs) to me at all. So we just really have to uh, make that, like, not normal. (laughs) There is just too much of a following for that trend. I don't want to see more mustard on like foods that I've never had mustard on. And again, it's not that these things are objectively bad or that it seems like it would taste bad or anything like that. It's just why? You know, why can't you just have a cohesive meal that is cooked, that sounds good, that tastes good? And yes, you can have mustard when you want it and it makes sense. Yes, you can have cottage cheese when you want it and it makes sense. And you do not have to eat this one specific combination of foods to lose weight or to be healthy. 
So that's that. Um, thank you guys for submitting these. That was very entertaining. I hope it was for you. I hope there were some helpful takeaways. If you are stuck in any of these diet trends and you're realizing maybe I'm not eating in the best way, maybe I don't have the best relationship with food, please reach out. Um, I have a private practice. I work with clients one-on-one on healing their relationship with food while still prioritizing health and wellness um, and relationship to exercise. I really, really care about helping people be healthy overall and doing it in a flexible and sustainable way. So if that sounds like something you want to do for yourself, please reach out. I have links in the show notes about how you can get in touch to work with me, and I would love to chat. So I hope to hear from you. Um, Follow along on Instagram in case I do more of these. You can submit your own diets that you're aware of, things people have said, or maybe I'll come up with another fun question. So you can always DM me there with um, any podcast ideas. So I hope to hear from you, and I hope you will tune in for the next episode. Thanks. And there you have it. That is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it and had some good takeaways. If you did, I would love to hear what's resonating for you. Send me a DM on Instagram or share the episode to your stories and tag me so that I can see that you're listening and hopefully loving it. You can also share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it and spread some intuitive eating love to everyone around you. As always, five-star ratings and reviews are so appreciated, so you can drop me one of those. Be sure to also check out the show notes for all the links that I mentioned and more information on myself and my nutrition private practice. Other than all that, I hope you have a great day and a great week, and I will catch you in the next episode.